I've been seeking the Lord a lot for this message this morning and um, there's been so much going on in my world <laughs> over the past three years and particularly this last, this from the start of this year um, that I've, I feel like I'm on fumes, you know, as you get to that where you just feel like you're on fumes and you look around and you just think, you know, well, Sam Dixon's got no problems, I mean, he just seems to breeze it through life and... <laughs> Kent has gotten it. And you look at other people and you think, yeah, they're doing all right. There's no, there's no story behind their front door. And I think most of us are, I could see people nodding. I'm on fumes this morning. So um, there's a good solution to that, really. So you, I'm, I'm preaching, you've got a preacher who's running on fumes, preaching to a lot of people that are running on fumes. So I think we'll get along you know what I mean when I say running on fumes, don't you? You feel like you just you've just nothing to offer. Just everything just seems to be pressing you down, and you just you just feel like you're squashed flat. Um, you know, and in some some ways you can't walk another step. That's how I felt. Then I've got this word for you. Can I have the first slide, please? Got to bring a scripture into. I've called this talk Game of Thrones. Confession time. Does anybody like Game of Thrones? Anybody watched it? Yeah? One or two, one or two. I confess, for no reason at all, I've never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. I think the reason is because I know that Sean Bean's in it, and my wife loves Sean Bean. (laughs) And I get jealous. (laughs) But I want to run you through... Probably might not get through all this, but I want to run you through three thrones. Three thrones. Um, And I want to bless you and encourage you. And I want to minister also to my own spirit. Three thrones. There are many thrones in the Bible, but three in particular. Game of Thrones. Next slide, please. The throne of sin. Did you know there's a throne of sin? Right? Why does the Apostle Paul say in Romans 6, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies? You know, sin has a throne. What's to reign in your mortal bodies? There's there's the throne of sin. And um, we're told to fight the throne of sin. Don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should should obey its lusts. Now, I'm in West Horton. I guess that there's none of you people here have any fight with sin in your lives. (laughs) Is that Ram in West Horton, obviously? Sin, what is sin? For those that might not know what sin is. Well, it's the wrong things that we do. Think, hey... Or say. And ultimately, sin is where we say no to God, we rebel against Him, and we dethrone Him as ruler of our lives, and we enthrone ourselves. And we say the old famous song at funerals, I did it my way, Frank Sinatra. I did one of the most famous songs, one of the most popular songs at funerals is I did it my way. That's the ultimate in sin, to say no to God, 
to dethrone God and enthrone ourselves. And sin watched around. And other people in St. Helens and people from overseas don't have sin issues. But I've got to say that as uh, one of the leaders in family church, I have to confess sin not only every day, probably every few hours really. I confess my sins. Some things that I struggle with, some things that come in. Anyway, there's the, role, there's the throne of sin. Okay, and we're to fight it. Next slide, please. Oh, I'm so pleased about this throne. <laughs> the throne of grace. Wow, where Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might find mercy and grace to help in time of need. And we're told not to fight the throne of grace, but to fly to the throne of grace. God says, get out of there and come to me quick. God says, come on, I'm here. Come, come to me. Come to me. So, if you, I mean, it, it, again, I'm in West Horton, so you won't need grace. There's no need for grace in West Horton. I wouldn't have think you, 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 you need God's favour and God's grace and God's pardon and God's mercy and God's embrace and God's comfort. That's what's at the throne of grace. But you won't need that, will you? Because you... No, I don't think so. But again, as a poor Billings person, I, I, I need God's throne of grace. <laughs> and we're told to fly to it. Next slide, please. One throne hinders and harms us, the throne of sin. We're told to fight it. The other throne helps and heals us, the throne of grace. And we're encouraged to fly to it. Next slide, please. Third throne, serious throne. The great, great white throne in Revelation 20. The final throne of judgment. And for people who, who ignore the first two thrones, people who won't fight sin in their lives, famous Puritan, where's Billy? He's not here, is he? Famous Puritan John Owen said, if you don't be, if you don't be killing sin, sin will be killing you. So it's all to fight sin. For people that won't do that, and for people that won't come to the throne of grace, there's a third throne that awaits them, that's the great white throne, which is it's in Revelation um, 20. And it's the final judgment of God, because we'll all stand there. People who know Christ, if you know Christ, you'll be judged for your works. If you're a non-Christian and you've rebelled against God all your life and said, my way, then by your own choice, God will sentence you to an eternal death. That's the reality. God wants you to choose life. He wants you to fear that throne. That means respect it. Someone asked me today, what is the fear of God? It's to respect God and to give him his place and to honour him and, and to feel in your heart, oh Lord, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to go my way. I know that I do sometimes. That's why the throne of grace is there. But the prophetic word is, is, is this. Just go back to the, the first one, will you please? The first slide. Thank you very much. My, my prophetic word to you is this. Um, this, throne of, um, this throne of grace. I'll be dizzy. I've used, I've used PowerPoint for the first time in about 10 years because I've got it on my computer. Next slide. And, and again, right, leave it there. Thank you. Um, this throne of grace, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. Um, 
We're told to fly to the throne of grace. And um, as we were just worshipping the Lord, the lovely worship set that Sam and Anna did, um, I began to think of this throne of grace. We're told to fly to it. It's a throne of refreshing. And we just see, I see glimpses of this in, um, in Revelation 21. I'll read it to you. It says this, the Lord says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And Sam said when he was worshipping that he'd seen that scripture in John 4 where Jesus says to the woman at the well, um, you know, I I can give you life and you'll never thirst again. This throne of grace that we come to dispenses water that not only washes us, but also refreshes us. And if you need, if you're on fumes this morning, and if you want to be refreshed and washed and feel clean, then what you need to do is come to the throne of grace. Because if I look over the page of my Bible at Revelation 22, it says this. It says, um, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, crystal, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. This throne of grace... Water runs from the throne of grace. Water streams from the throne of grace. We're told, boldly to come to the throne of grace. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find mercy and grace at the time of need. And from the throne of God's grace, a river runs. And I want you to get a picture of that. A picture of the river that runs from God's throne. And it's a river of water, it's pure as crystal, it's bright and it's clean. And it's life-giving. And if you fly to the throne of grace this morning, then you'll find that that river includes grace. It includes mercy. It includes healing. It includes refreshing you can, walk, you can swim in it and not drown. You can walk in it. Nothing like um, refreshing water to revive you. And, and on a hot day or on a cold day to warm you. Whatever you need, and this is the prophetic bit that I got when we were worshipping, comes from the throne of grace, the water of life. Jesus says, there's a, in Revelation 21, there's, he's, he's a spring of life. The only place you can find real life is in Jesus Christ. It says he gives water that you'll never thirst again. So I I would say to you this morning, run, flee to this throne of grace. And I want to just look at it for a second in in, in Hebrews. I'm dropping all my notes here. Too many notes. I'm preaching for the next few weeks and... When I looked, I got 12 pages of notes. I nearly, I nearly grace when I saw my notes. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, this throne of grace, it's just, an, it's just an amazing throne. It is. It's Christ's high priestly throne. 
When we think of a high priest who Jesus is, we think of someone austere, someone um, who is hard, a bit like um, a head teacher at school, or, or, or a, um, a boss in your job that is domineering. You know, a high priest. The words high and priest give us an image of someone that is just almost unapproachable and ready to judge. You know, someone's high, they're higher than you are. They're a priest, that means they're holy. And we know we're lower and we're not that holy. But that is not Christ. That is not Christ. He's our high priest. But it says that, um, it says that we have a high priest who can sympathise with our weaknesses. In Hebrews 4, um, 14 I'm reading from. He was tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. We might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Um, he's able to sympathise, it says, with our weaknesses. And it's an interesting word this high priest has. When it says he sympathises, do you know what that word means in the original language? It means that he co-suffers with you. So if you're going through it, if you're struggling with sin, or if you're struggling with life, or whatever, come to the high, fly to the throne of grace, because there sits a high priest who isn't somebody that is just so holy and high that he's no time for you. He's a high priest who co-suffers with you. He suffers alongside you. He knows your nature. He's been where you are. Somebody once described to me the difference in sympathy and empathy. I'll tell you the difference. If you see someone that's sat in a hole, have you ever been in a hole? Just, just get me out of here, you know. Like in Psalm 18 where David says to the Lord, I'm in this pit. If you're in a hole, someone who's sympathetic stands at the side of the hole and says, are you okay? Can I get you a ladder? Would you, would you like a drink? That's sympathy. Empathy is this. Somebody comes to the hole, brings a ladder and climbs down into the hole with you. That's empathy. And sits where you sit and puts their arm around you and says, tell me how it is. That's the high priest that we have in Christ. That's the throne of grace. That's his throne. That's what he's like. There's a scripture, there's a wonderful scripture in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Not time to read it. But it says this, it reveals Christ's heart. And I think it's the only place in the scripture where Jesus tells us about his heart. If you're taking notes, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. He says, I am lowly and gentle in heart. Come to me, he says, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For I am lowly and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That means Christ has got, although he's a great high priest, he has a humble heart. This ruler on this throne has a humble heart. A meek and lowly heart. 
able to empathise. He climbs in, doesn't climb into your sin if you're doing something you shouldn't, doesn't do that. But when you're sat in the pit and just wanting refreshment and saying, who's going to help me here? Jesus says, come to my throne. He says, fly to my throne because I'll climb in there with you. Because I'm your great high priest. Then I'll bring some water. And you can visit the throne of life and, 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 and sample the water of life that refreshes you. He's gentle and he's holy. He can't... <laughs> no matter how you feel about yourself, Jesus Christ can't ungentle himself. He is gentle. That's what his nature is. You might think, well, you know, it's okay for you. You're glad, yeah, you know. Um, you do a bit of preaching and that kind of thing. And you, you know, um, you're quite a holy person. Ha, ask my wife. Um, <laughs> um, but what about me? You don't, know, you don't know where I've been. Well, Jesus does. <laughs> and he cannot ungentle himself. He wants to, like the woman at the well, you know, when she rocked up at that well, I'm picking up Sam's prophetic thing. When she rocked up at that well, this is a woman that had five husbands. Some say she was a prostitute. I don't know. We're not told. But she, was, she had to be there at midday. You didn't go to wells to carry water at midday because it was too hot. A woman only went at midday if she was ostracised outside of society. And she was ashamed. He saw her coming. He knew who she was better than she did. And he sees you coming. <laughs> he knows who you are better than you do. <laughs> and when she approached him, you know, the disciples were a bit shocked when they came back. And, but the point is this, he knew who she was. Maybe a woman of ill repute, we don't know. But he did not hold his nose. You know when you say, I've got a granddaughter, when she sees a worm, she jumps or a spider, even worse. You know, you, you recoil in horror at something that is obnoxious to you. Or a smell that, you know, you hold your nose. Jesus Christ does not hold his nose when you approach. No matter where you've been or who you are, he does not ungentle himself and recoil in horror like touching a worm. Or hold his nose like, like a bad smell. He does not. He bids you fly to the throne of grace. So that he can unleash a torrent of refreshing water. Of forgiveness and healing and mercy and peace and grace. The throne of grace is an amazing thing. It's staggering. In the way that it wants to reach out and minister and touch you. Touch your heart. We're told to come boldly. Don't be timid. Don't be timid. Christ is gentle and he's lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. The throne of grace. And my time's done. I've got two more thrones. It's a ruse really. I can come back and preach again for you. Just touch on one more throne. When we come to the throne of grace and you're feeling like you're on fumes 
and you're feeling dirty and you feel like you need to be washed and you feel like you've done it again or whatever it is. Do you know this? Jesus is more, Jesus is more present with you in your weaknesses than he is in your strength. He is more present in your weakness than he is in your strength. Can we go backwards to this throne of sin? I'm spinning here with all these thrones. This presentation is upside down. Throne of sin. Okay, don't let sin run in your mortal bodies. Okay. I was been a bit flippant before, and I shouldn't be flippant about sin. But who knows what this is like to have sin reign in your mortal bodies or, or want to reign. I can tell you that's the case with me. And we're told to fight it. We're told to fight it. Do you know, I think that um, one of the things that I get asked sometimes when people come to faith um, and over the years people have said to me, I don't think I'm a Christian. Or, I don't think I'm saved. And I say, why not? And they'll say, because I... And then they come out with this struggle against sin they've got going on in their lives. Have you ever felt that way? You've lost your salvation. Anybody ever felt that? I've gone too far, Lord, now. I just can't, you know, this is just... I've gone a step too far. That's it. My response to people like that is this. If you are fighting sin in your life, in other words, I'm not saying if you sin, because we all do. The Bible says if we, if we say we don't sin, we deceive ourselves. Okay? But if you sin and you ignore it, you're in a dangerous place. If you sin and you fight it, if it knocks you down and you get up again, and you stand up and say, I'm going to repent of that. I'm going to get over that. Lord, you know about that. Lord, I'm telling you about that. Lord, will you strengthen me? Will you help me? And you, you, you engage in the fight against sin. That is, a, for me, that is a proof that you are a Christian. And people who think they've lost their salvation, I said to people, did you worry about sinning before you were a Christian? No. Did you worry about losing your salvation before you were a Christian? No. <laughs> well, it's proof that there's spiritual life in you. If you have no fight against sin in your world, I can say this, that you're not a Christian. Repent and come to Christ. It's only a true Christian who knows anything about the fight and the war against sin. The Apostle Paul wrote this to Christians. Because it's only when we come to Christ that the, 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 the throne of sin begins to, begins to um, or we, we begin to wage war against the, the sin that wants to be enthroned in our lives. Sin is not um, a, a power that is neutral. Sin wants to dominate the Christian. Sin wants to crush the Christian because Satan's behind sin. And ultimately it's rebellion against God. It wants to crush the Christian. It does. But praise God, because of the throne of grace, we can come and find mercy to help in time of need. And the Lord comes alongside you and fights sin with you. The Holy Spirit fights with you. But it's important to fight against sin. 
I don't care. Well, I do care, but I don't care. But I do care. If, if you feel bad about your sin, I do care. But what I care more about is what your response is. Because if your response is, 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 is repentance and turning again, away from, back to God and away from sin, that proves that you're a Christian. Well, doesn't the Bible say that I'm, I should be dead to sin? That's another one. Can I have five more minutes? Two quick things. Well, well, well come on, Glenn. What is this dead to sin? Paul says in the same scripture, I'm, I'm dead to sin. Can you sell, reckon yourselves dead to sin? Okay. What he's talking about is this. Very quickly, briefly. Our first parents rebelled against God. Okay, are we okay with that? Sin came in. And we were related to Adam. So we're Adam's sons and daughters, dominated by sin, destined for hell. Second Adam comes along. Jesus Christ. When we're born again, when we become Christians, we become related to Christ. Destined for heaven, pardoned from sin. The one is death, Adam. His destiny was death. And people who relate to Adam are destined to die. Judgment. When we come to Christ, we get in Romans 7, 6, a new husband. So our relationship to Adam is, is finished. Our husband didn't die, we died. Complicated this, I know. Um, but in that sense, we're, we're pardoned from the penalty of sin. If you're a Christian, the penalty of sin has gone. If we confess our sins, we, you know, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're dead to sin in the sense we're dead to the penalty of sin. But as Christian people, we're still plagued by the pollution of sin and the presence of sin. Okay, right, done with that. So, fight sin. Fight sin. Um, it's so important. I've got to read you this and I'll finish with this. Got to read you this. Um, and um, I think you'll love this. I, I did when I saw it. The Lord calls us to um, come to Him, to be to be freed and cleansed from our sins. In one of C.S. Lewis's Narnia books, a boy named Eustace is turned into a dragon. Later, he's invited by Aslan the lion, who's the Christ figure in the story, to bathe in a pool that can cleanse Eustace, remake him and rebirth him. But first he's told he must undress. Eustace is confused about this until he realises that he must shed his old dragon skin. In other words, he has to repent. He has to confess the truth about himself. He tries to do this, but it proves to be hard work. It takes a long time. But he peels off the hard, scaly dragon skin. And then he goes into the water and looks down, looks at his foot 
and notices that it's as scaly and hard as it was before he started. In other words, there's another whole layer of dragon skin under the first layer. Do you get the picture? As we repent and repent, we go... He tries again, but the same thing happens until he finally despairs. Then Aslan says to him, you'll have to let me do it. And here's how Eustace describes the process. I was afraid of his claws, I can tell you. But I was pretty desperate now. So I just lay flat down on the grass and turned on my back and let him do it. The very first tear that he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling off the skin, it hurt worse than anything I'd ever felt. The only thing that made it bearable was the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. You know, like if you've ever picked a scab off a sore place, it hurts like billy-o. But it's such fun seeing it come away. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off. Just as I thought I'd done it myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there I was lying on the grass. There it was lying on the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker and more nobly looking than all the others had been. And there was I, as smooth and soft as a peeled branch, and smaller than I'd been. Then he caught hold of me. I didn't like it much, for I was very tender underneath, now that I had no skin on, and he threw me into the water. It started smarting like anything, but only for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious, and I soon started swimming around and splashing, and I found all the pain had gone from my arm, and then I saw why. I turned into a boy again. I love C.S. Lewis. That's what the throne of grace does when we come. When we fight sin and we come to Aslan, who's the Christ figure, we've got to say, just Lord, peel me. Lord, peel me. Peel the layers off. Minister Grace, Lord, I come to your throne. I know you won't hold your nose. I know you're gentle of heart. And maybe you've struggled in your life with things. Maybe you need to come and have the dragon skin taken away. Come to Christ. Experience how gentle he is. Experience how refreshing his voice is. Experience how refreshing his presence is. It's like the water of life. To refresh and to restore your soul. Fight the throne of sin. Fly to the throne of grace. And fear the throne of judgment. Amen.